the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thanks for being with us. It's seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a free for all Friday edition of the Authority. It's the 28th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord 2021. Coming up on the program in an hour. We're going to talk to Jim Jordan again. We talked to him on Tuesday. Why are we talking to him today? Well, because he's not going to be, we are not going to be live rather on Monday when we normally talk to Jim Jordan. Uh, as we will be celebrating, and by celebrating, we use that word carefully. We mean commemorating the sacrifices of the loved and lost who who, uh, who laid it all on the line and uh, gave their lives for this great country, Memorial Day, and loved you know all of those that we have loved and lost outside of the military as well, because Memorial Day is for memorializing all that we have lost. But um, we are uh, celebrating that holiday. On Monday, so we'll have a best of the Bob France Authority show for you on Monday and not Jim Jordan live. So he will be with us live in hour number two today at 1010. Then at 1035, we will talk, as we always do on Fridays, with uh, Christina Hagen. We'll get great political commentary from Christina Hagen on the news of the day. Now, as today is Friday, heading into Memorial Day weekend, um, and I'm not going to be live on Memorial Day on Monday, um, I thought this would be a perfect time to give you what many people have been asking for as we start our program with the Pledge of Allegiance. A lot of people have said, Bob, have you ever heard Red Skelton doing his description, his breakdown of the Pledge of Allegiance? Can you play that for us, please? And the answer is, of course I have. I've played it on this program many times before, just on various occasions. Um... But it has been a long time. A few months ago, I actually played the Charlie Daniels version of the Red Skelton breakdown of the Pledge of Allegiance. 
But since today is, again, heading into one of the most patriotic and solemn holidays, really, again, what that's what, you know, it's weird. Memorial Day is odd in terms of how we celebrate it. Like I said, you don't celebrate the death of someone when we are memorializing them, but you do celebrate their life. You celebrate what they stood for. You celebrate how they lived. You celebrate great memories of them. So when I say celebrate, please know that I am using that word respectfully. So Memorial Day is weird the way we celebrate it. We have parades and we have veterans marching when we're not dealing with coronavirus restrictions, which are still happening in far too many towns and communities. So there will not be parades. But, um, you know, we, we celebrate the, the, the glory, I guess, of this great country and we commemorate those who lost their lives in, in providing it for us. And we do it with parades and we do it with picnics and they, picnics and they do it with mattress sales and they do it with, you know, you know, businesses, capitalism, all trying to say, Hey, it's Memorial Day. Let's celebrate it by saving money on this. You know, and that's fine. I, I don't want to throw stones. I know a lot of people get really angry with that because they say it takes away from the meaning of Memorial Day. Um, I, I don't necessarily think so. It's just one of those oddities where it's it's a sad remembrance of lives lost, but it's a celebration of what was gained because of those lost lives in this country. So at any rate, I thought this would be a good time, since we always pay honor to our country by starting our day with the Pledge of Allegiance, to listen to the full Red Skelton explanation of what that pledge means now if you're a patriot who rises every day when you listen to this show and you face your flag if you have one or you stand uh just proudly with your hand on your heart if you don't um you know you know the pledge and you know what it means and you could probably break it down word for word by yourself but for those who have never thought about it those who recite it just you know because they've been reciting it since they were little they don't really take time. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic. You don't stop and think about what it really means. That's why Red Skelton did this. That's why his teacher explained it to him. And that's why I want to give it to you right now. It is free for all in hour number one. We have plenty of time for your phone calls. So I feel, feel like it's okay to spend four minutes listening to Red Skelton. Give us the real reason we say the pledge. And... Kind of remind us what the the meaning truly is. So please relax. You don't have to stand for this. This is the Pledge of Allegiance in a different format. Here's the late, great Red Skelton. And the late, great Red Skelton is going to begin now in three, two, one. I remember a teacher that I had. Now, I only I went, I went through the seventh grade. I went to the seventh grade. And I left home when I was ten years old because I was hungry. And I used to, this, is, this is true. I work in the summer and I go to school in the winter. But I had this one teacher. He was the principal of the Harrison School in Vincennes, Indiana. To me, this was the greatest teacher, a real sage of, of my time, anyhow. He had such wisdom. And we were all reciting the Pledge of Allegiance one day. And he walked over, this little old teacher, Mr. Laswell was his name. Mr. Laswell, and he says, uh, <clears throat> He says, I've been listening to you boys and girls recite the Pledge of Allegiance all semester. And it seems as though it's becoming monotonous to you. If I may, may I recite it and try to explain to you the meaning of each word. I, me, an individual, a committee of one, pledge, dedicate all of my worldly goods to give without self-pity, 
allegiance, my love and my devotion to the flag, our standard, O oh glory, a symbol of freedom. Wherever she waves, there's respect, because your loyalty has given her a dignity that shouts freedom is everybody's job. United, that means that we have all come together. States, individual communities that have united into 48 great states, 48 individual communities with pride and dignity and purpose all divided with imaginary boundaries yet united to a common purpose and that's love for country and to the republic republic a state in which sovereign power is invested in representative chosen by the people to govern and government is the people and it's from the people to the leaders not from the leaders to the people for which it stands. One nation, one nation, meaning so blessed by God, indivisible, incapable of being divided, with liberty, which is freedom, the right of power to live one's own life without threats, fear, or some sort of retaliation and justice, the principle or qualities of dealing fairly with others, for all, for all, which means boys and girls, it's as much your country as it is mine. And now boys and girls, let me hear you recite the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Since I was a small boy, two states have been added to our country and two words have been added to the Pledge of Allegiance under God. Wouldn't it be a pity if someone said that is a prayer and that would be eliminated from schools too? January 14th, 1969. That's when Red Skelton touched the hearts of millions of Americans with that Pledge of Allegiance explanation, that breakdown of every single word, so that you truly know what you are saying when you pledge your allegiance to this country by way of its flag. That flag represents every American who has ever lived, every American who has ever died, and in particular those who died in service to her greatness. And yes, he did point out, as he was quoting his teacher from years before. The words under God were not part of the Pledge of Allegiance, so he stayed consistent with what his teacher taught. Then, of course, and also the 48 states, at the time that he first heard his teacher explain this. And then, of course, pointed out that since that time, the two states had been added, and the words under God as well. So, 
I just wanted to do this on the way into Memorial Day weekend for obvious reasons. People have asked me for it from time to time. I don't have four minutes to really devote to it every single day. We do the Pledge of Allegiance every single day, but I can't give Red four minutes every single day to do this. I think it would lose its impact if I did. Uh, but from time to time, I will give this to you. And maybe we'll just do it on our most important holidays. Maybe we'll just do it as we head into Independence Day in July and as we head into maybe Veterans Day or if we head into you know the more um, uh, patriotic holidays. But for that, or for today rather, I will leave you with that and uh, and uh, try to keep that in mind. Try to, when whenever you do say the pledge with me every day, or if you go to meetings like the kind that I attend from time to time, and speeches that I give from time to time, almost every patriotic conservative group I address starts their meetings with the Pledge of Allegiance. Don't just say it by rote memorization. Don't just say it because you said it's what you're supposed to say. Let the words sink in as they come from your mouth. Let them come from your heart the way Red Skelton just described. That's how we'll start today's program. It's 918. We'll take a time out here. It is a free-for-all edition. That's what free-for-all Friday is about, especially in hour number one. I've got guests coming up in the next uh, next hour, but I do have opportunity for you now. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Join us on AM 1420, The Answer. The answer. Okay, it's 922. Thanks for being with us on this Friday, free for all edition. So anything you want to talk about is fair game. You pick the topic, I will listen. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Having said that, I want to start with this, though, because I like good news for a change. So many times we'll start the show by saying, oh, my gosh. Can you believe what the Biden administration just did? Oh, my gosh. Can you believe what China just did? Oh, my gosh. Can you believe what the media just did? Uh, and these stories are almost always negative. But I want to start this story with one of my favorites in a very long time. In the state of Idaho, the rule is that if the governor isn't around... The lieutenant governor's in charge. Sounds kind of normal, right? That sounds reasonable. I don't think anybody would really complain about that. Uh, At least they wouldn't until this. Um, (laughs) Idaho Lieutenant Governor Janice McEachin, who is a conservative opponent of the unscientific COVID-19 restrictions and regulations. Um. She had control of the state for a short period of time when the Republican governor that she works with, that's right, this is Republican conservative uh, Lieutenant Governor Janet McGeechan working with Republican governor, the man in charge, Brad Little. All right. Now, she's going she's gonna to challenge him in the primary next year. So you might just say they don't exactly have a great close working relationship. She has already announced that she's going to primary him next year to try to take over the top job. It's pretty unusual for a lieutenant governor to challenge the sitting governor. Some people felt like here in Ohio that might happen uh, with John Husted wanting to take the job away from, uh, from Mike DeWine because they haven't always seen eye to eye on all of the coronavirus restrictions and things that have been done here. But at any rate, the lieutenant governor in Idaho, uh, Janice McGeechan, was so fed up with Little's support for heavy-handed COVID restrictions 
the stripping of liberties from Idaho residents and so forth, uh, that she felt they needed to make a change. So when Governor Brad Little traveled out of the state to meet with other governors this week in Nashville, Tennessee, it created an absence that, pursuant to state law, makes the sitting lieutenant governor the acting governor until he returns. So while Brad Little was out of state in Tennessee meeting with other governors, the lieutenant governor, now in charge as the acting governor, used that opportunity to ban all mask mandates, particularly on children, within the state of Idaho. Opportunity presented itself to the lieutenant governor, and the lieutenant governor answered the call. And you dig Just outstanding. Uh, in a move that shocked everyone, including the governor's staff, McEachin issued an executive order effective 11 a.m. yesterday morning, barring all local governments, including school boards and county commissions, from continuing mask mandates. The order applies to local governments, health districts, public schools, public colleges, universities, uh, libraries, and more. But it does exempt hospitals. In a tweet announcing the move from the lieutenant governor, Janet McGeechan wrote, Today, as acting governor of the state of Hawaii, this is gutsy, man. This is just, this takes some courage. Courage of her convictions. It really does. Today, act as acting governor of the state of Idaho, I signed an executive order to protect the rights and liberties of individuals and businesses by prohibiting the state and its political subdivisions, including public schools, from imposing mask mandates in our state. Hashtag IDPOL, which I assume is Idaho politics. I don't know. But at any rate, this is just outstanding. She told Idaho reporters, it's especially hard for me to see the little kids being forced to wear a mask in school. Marissa Morrison, who is the press secretary for the actual governor who was out of state at the time, Brad Little, said, quote, the lieutenant governor did not make Governor Little aware of her executive order ahead of time and that Little is expected to return to Idaho tonight and review the order. That would be last night. From a political standpoint, McGeechan has now boxed in Governor Little. On the one hand, everyone knows Little is a big fan of masking, which is why he encouraged them all along and made sure local officials were able to institute them, even on the youngest of children who are at a uh, statistically um, zero risk, essentially, of, of getting COVID and suffering anything from it. However, he shied away from instituting a statewide mandate because he knew it wouldn't resonate with the voters, with the people in Idaho behind the beyond the over-with of the COVID-19 way of life. And with McGeechan on the ballot for the GOP nomination against him next year in the primary, Little has a very interesting choice to make. Will he come back and issue a new executive order undoing the order given by his lieutenant governor, or will he let it ride? Uh, so Jana McGeechan, I just wanted to salute her for her, uh, I don't know what the way, it's not really ingenuity, but just for her willingness to take advantage of an opportunity when it comes a-knocking. This is just a great response to an opportunity given, and that's what I think so many other people wish their leaders would do. Just let people live their lives for crying out loud. Let people decide how they want to handle their health. If they're still afraid of catching COVID from somebody who isn't masked, then don't go out, but don't stop other people from going out uh, and living their lives freely. So good job, Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeechan of the state of Idaho. All right, BJ is calling us from North Olmstead on this free-for-all Friday. Hi, BJ. Go ahead, sir. Hi, Bob. I'd like to play tribute to uh, 129 young 
servicemen during the Korean War that were on R&R in Kashikawa, Japan, and through my air base, and some of them came through, and I was able to give them booster shots and things as a medic. And they boarded a C-124 Airbus transport at uh, 5 p.m. and took off from our base. And 5.30, their plane had crashed a few miles from our base, and all 129 were lost, and I wanted to pay tribute to them in memoriam. And uh, every day of my life, I'm grateful that I was able to still be here, but I always want to remember them. So on June 18, 1953, these wonderful young boys gave their life for the service of their country, and I just wanted to pay tribute and thank you for giving me this opportunity to do that. Well, that's thank you, BJ, for the call. That is exactly what this holiday is all about. It's about paying tribute. It's about remembering, and it is about respecting the sacrifices that were made. So you're exactly right. And again, for those who just turned on the radio, we will have a best of show on Monday as we, uh, that is a company day for all families to be together and do exactly what BJ just said. Talk about memorializing the uh, the lost, and especially those who gave their lives in service to this great country. So we won't have a live show Monday. We'll have a best of show. So I'm just offering opportunities to pay tribute today, which is why we did our pledge, the uh, Red Skelton version of the pledge. Um, our phone lines remain open. If you would like to pay tribute to someone in uh, you know in memorializing them, especially those who lost their lives, certainly we'll take those phone calls. But we'll take phone calls on any subject you wish on this uh, Friday edition, at least until ten o'clock when we talk to Congressman Jim Jordan and then former State Representative Christina Hagan as we continue on this Friday, AM fourteen twenty. Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 936, free for all Friday edition of The Authority. Jim Jordan with a special Friday appearance coming up at 1010 because he won't be with us Monday. because We won't be live Monday. We will be commemorating Memorial Day 2021. Uh, as we do each and every year. So uh, best of show on Monday, and uh, today I'm taking your calls on anything having to do with this. I want to, uh, as it is a free-for-all Friday, I also want to hit a whole bunch of different topics here in this next half hour. I want to hit this one real quick. Um, the, the left is continuing to push for a January 6th commission, similar to the 9-11 commission, because in their minds they continue to see a bunch of patriots listening to a speech walking, as President Trump advised, peacefully and patriotically down to the Capitol building to express themselves, to be heard. That was it, peacefully heard, supporting the president and supporting a 10-day audit on the um, uh, on the election in various states to deal with some of the irregularities. A peaceful situation that did indeed then break out into something less than peaceful. It was an attack on the Capitol, at least on the building, breaking of windows and doors and going in. In some cases, they didn't have to break windows and doors as Capitol Police stood to the side and said, go on in. Um, at any rate, it was uh, it was an event that led to the death of one individual, one person. She was a Trump supporter a former Air Force or an Air Force veteran uh, named Ashley Babbitt, who was shot and killed by a Capitol Police officer, unarmed, not resisting, not attacking, but just entering the building through a window, shot and killed. That was it. Now, let's not say that's small. 
any death in a situation like that is a terrible death. It still you know, boggles my mind that they will not release the name of the Capitol Hill police officer and that they just completely whitewash and gloss over the death of Ashley Babbitt. And I suspect that's because she's the wrong color for it to be a huge news story. But nonetheless, they're comparing something in which there was one death to the 9-11 attacks, which, of course, led to the deaths of roughly 3,000 Americans, 3,000 people in America in three different locations. Um, So now they want a January 6th commission to get to the bottom of this, just like they had with the 9-11 commission. This is MSNBC Washington Post reporter named Carol Lonig, I believe is how you say her name. But I want you to get a little taste of what they're saying. Um, I, I find it. I find this moment, the 9-11 moment, domestically, there were attackers. Unfortunately, there are many, many people in the country who have been stoked to believe that those attackers were doing something patriotic. And Republicans have played into that. And they've they've added fire to that. They've allowed Donald Trump to continue to say that without stopping it. And unfortunately, they're not willing to take the political hit. Um, There is some political pain here to take in a commission and what it might find for the betterment of the country. So I wanted to set that up so that I could share with you the words of Lorain County Republican Chairman David Arredondo. He's the chairman of the Lorain County Republican Party. I am a Lorain County resident, and uh, David is a friend. And he wrote for the local paper out there today the following. I'm glad to know that U.S. Senator Rob Portman is hesitant to support legislation approving a commission to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Actually, I wish Portman would state that he and all Republicans oppose this Democratic witch hunt. That's what it is, by the way. For two and a half years, American taxpayers had to endure the waste of time and money which was spent on behalf of Democrats who wanted to investigate former Donald, uh, President Donald Trump and Russian collusion in the 2016 election. A special counsel determined there was no such thing. Then we had a congressional investigation in 2019 based on a leaked conversation between Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky with the so-called investigation and evidence produced Democrats voted to impeach the president. The Senate voted to acquit him. In a rush to judgment, Democrats and some Republicans impeached Trump in January, based on the events of January 6th. Never mind that the Constitution provides for impeachment and trial for a sitting president, sitting president, not a former president. Nonetheless, he was acquitted once again. The so-called bipartisan commission currently proposed is fully unnecessary. Already, law enforcement has investigated many involved individuals leading to their arrest. The federal prosecutors have filed charges against them. More details will be released during their trials. We will learn that many of the charged acted individually or as members of small groups. We will also learn that law enforcement was woefully unprepared. As for the commission, though not a con- uh, though not a congressman or a senator, this Republican says no. David Arredondo, again, chairman of the Lorain County Republican Party. David is spot on. He is exactly correct because this is about what he described. The latest attempt to impeach Donald Trump. He's gone, but they want to impeach him again. They couldn't impeach him in in, uh, 2019. They couldn't impeach him in 2020. 
So they're going to try to impeach him in 2021, even though he's gone. The January 6th commission would be set up to do nothing but to tar Donald Trump, again try to prove that he incited the quote-unquote insurrection, which, by the way, if you're going to try to ever overthrow the government, you might want to bring guns. You might want to bring weapons. They didn't have any guns. They didn't have any weapons. They did have flagpoles because, you know, patriots actually wave flags But they wanted us to believe this was a coup d'etat, an attempted overthrow of the government without arms. (laughs) It's comical the way they they refer to what happened on January 6th. I will say again what I've said from the beginning. If people broke the law by trespassing onto the Capitol grounds that day, they should be held accountable and should be jailed if that's what the penalty for trespassing is. If they broke the law further and actually broke windows or doors to get into the Capitol, that should be uh, they should be jailed for vandalism as well, or whatever the penalty for vandalism and trespassing is. If they stole things while they were there, whether it be a chair, a lectern, a flagpole, or something else, or Nancy Pelosi's laptop, then by all means, prosecute them and investigate them for their theft and for their crimes. But that's it. To try to paint the entire Trump movement, 74, 75 million strong, and the president himself, the former president himself, as being complicit in an insurrection and an attempt to overthrow the government, to stage a coup d'etat, to remove the government, uh, and to not seat the elected president, and so on and so forth. To, to, to paint it all that way is it's, it's worse than just a lie or a myth or a fabrication because it's an intentional one. It's an intentional one knowing full well that the damage that will be done here is going to be done politically to harm the former president and his base so that they are less effective in 2022. Make no mistake, this is an attempt to smear and tar Trump voters and Trump supporters and Trump himself in the hopes that it will keep people from voting Republican in 2022. I'll just say it directly. The Democrat Party knows that The midterm elections in 2022, that's going to be their day of reckoning. Everything that they have done, everything that they are doing, including bankrupting this country, including uh, 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 generating staggering inflation that we haven't seen since the Carter years, in terms of destroying the fossil fuel energy uh, um, component of this country, as this country was energy independent for the first time in virtually its history under Donald Trump, to this new, what was the announcement yesterday in Cleveland? $6 trillion budget being put forth by Joe Biden. $6 trillion that's going to leave with it, leave us with an operating $1.8 trillion budget deficit. Let me say that number again. $1.8 trillion deficit. All of these things that they're doing, there will be a day of reckoning. That day of reckoning is coming in uh, about a year and a half. It's coming coming in the midterms in 2022. And they're panicking. The left is panicking. Why? Because Republicans have figured it out. How were they able to take the 2020 election away from Republicans? How were they able to take the 2020 election away from Donald Trump? Through massive, massive voter fraud through mail-in ballots that were unchecked, signatures that didn't have to be matched, dates, 
postal postmarks that did not have to be checked, voter rolls that did not have to be cleaned up, ballot harvesting that was completely unregulated, ballot drop boxes that anybody could drop anything into at any time, again, unregulated, unmonitored, all of these things, counting ballots in the dead of night after Republican poll watchers were sent home, all of the things that we know that that contributed to the Democratic theft in November of 2020, those things are being addressed by state governors and state uh, uh, secretaries, secretaries of state. They are changing voter rules to protect against all of the above. They changed it in Georgia. They're changing it in multiple states where Republicans uh, have Republican governors and or legislatures, except for the state of Ohio, of course, because we have weenie Republican, uh, weenie Republican governor, and quite frankly, too far, too many weenie Republican uh, legislators. But in other states where the theft occurred and was at its most brazen, they are fixing the broken election system. They are going to require people to have one vote and to have every vote counted. But you only get one. You don't get multiple. And you actually have to live where you say you live. And you actually have to be who you are. You say you are. And when the votes are counted squarely and fairly, that day of reckoning will come. And that's coming up in the midterms in 2022. TJ in Cleveland, go ahead. You're on the air. TJ, what's up? Yeah, you know, Bob, what I remember mostly about Memorial Day, you know, during the Tet Offensive of 68, our 12th Cavalry was ordered to assault an open rice paddy against a far superior enemy. We were trapped for three days, surrounded, and we were left for dead. Division was not sending any help. They basically left us for dead. Uh, We managed to get out of there. But these men that died and gave the supreme sacrifice in our regiment, they weren't even afforded the dignity of being remembered. Uh, the Army, uh, the first cab, whitewashed the whole incident so to cover up the gross negligence of upper, upper command what happened to us. And I tell you, Bob, if it wasn't for their sacrifice, I would not be here today. So I do remember. I remember these men, and until I die, I will remember them not just today but every day. Uh, that's all I'd kind of like to say. TJ, I'm glad you said it. Thank you, my friend. God bless. And that is uh, that is exactly how it ought to be. We say that, you know, but nobody ever really, you know, follows through on it. On Veterans Day, we say we remember our veterans. We should do it not just today, but every day. But then the next day, you kind of go on about your life and you don't think about the veterans. Same thing on Memorial Day. You know, we should remember them today, but not just today, but every day. But that's the way that it goes. It's just life. Um, and so, We'll continue to say it the best we can, but certainly on this day, it's time for people to actually, you know, articulate it and and verbalize it and publicize it. But I completely agree, and thank you for your uh, efforts and your willingness to sacrifice yourself. Thank God you didn't actually have to lose your life uh, the way your colleagues that you just described, your brothers in arms, did. Okay, nine forty nine. We'll take a time out. Come right back. It's free for all Friday. You want to get into one of the stories I've talked about thus far? You may. If you want to go off the uh, off the um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for there? Not off the beaten path, no, Derek. You're not helping me at all. You want to go off the off the map, off the off the radar, off the whatever. If you want to talk about something else, you know what I'm trying to say. You know, you know the thing. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Right back. Okay, it's nine. Yeah, nine fifty-four. 
Sorry, a little thrown there by the lyrics. Uh, 9.54 on AM 1420, the answer. It's all right, Derek. Derek just told me it was the wrong song. That's why it wasn't supposed to be a lyric there. That's okay. Uh, let's roll onward. Don't forget Jim Jordan coming up at 10.10. we got a lot to talk about. Did you know Jim Jordan wrote a book? He's got a book that's going to be coming out very soon. Actually, I think it's going to be in this fall, to be precise. But uh, we're going to talk to him about uh, what that's about. Let's go to uh, Willoughby. That's where Tim is on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, Tim. You're on the air. Good morning. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Uh, just an observation. Uh, my wife and I uh, live here in Lake County, Willoughby in particular. We have five kids in uh, both um, Catholic and the um, public school system. And I thought I'd throw something out there for yourself and also your listeners to get their feedback. You know, as we interact with local health district authorities and, and school authorities, uh, I'm beginning to wonder, because of ongoing haranguing by the governor and the CDC and the Ohio Department of Health, um, I wonder if, if, if school districts, you know, school boards and, and health districts, are they now in a position where they feel like they have to do something because they've been harangued at it for so long by the governor, the ODH, and the CDC? Even though this situation has never been an emergency, are they now in a position where they feel compelled? They have to do something. They have to produce protocols for the fall because, by golly, they just have to. Well, that's how it feels, doesn't it? It feels like that's exactly it. There's no emergency. Uh, the, you know, sir, Remember, the, the whole nonsense about two weeks to flatten the curve, it was an emergency then. It's not going to be an emergency soon. As long as we don't overrun the hospitals, we'll be okay. Well, you know, that, that day has long come and gone. Uh, so there is no emergency. You're right when you say that. So if they are, you know, establishing these protocols, you're right. They feel like they have to. And, um, I don't know, uh, to be honest with you, how anything is going to be done unless there's some uniform regulatory uh, policy in place here for all of the cities, states, townships, school boards, councils, uh, and so on and so forth um, coming from Columbus. And quite frankly, I don't see that coming. There, there's some important legislation that could be you know, used as policy, but I don't know that it's going to pass in time, to be honest with you. So um, I, I'm, I'm not really sure how it's going to play out. Yeah, I, I just wish, as, as myself and my dear wife have gone through this experience with five kids over the last years, is what we continue to see is is remarkably uh, how little elected and appointed officials, uh, both on the health district, uh, uh, on on these the cities, uh, etc., uh, school board, school authorities, how 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 remarkably um, how little they know about. The, the the true situation it, it just stuns me and unfortunately they're in the position that they now have to make policy well what stuns me what stuns me uh is not just how little they know which you just said is and you're right it's how little they care that that's that's the thing that bothers me because they have been made aware of what this is doing to people they have been made aware of what it's doing to kids in particular uh you know listening to kids suffering behind those masks and suffering from these you know lack of socialist social uh, activity and so on and so forth i it's not just how little they know about this from a science standpoint and from a health standpoint it's how little they seem to care they are reveling in their power and they don't really care too much what it's doing to uh particularly children that's my big problem Right, and I think there are some that are, that are on a bit of a power trip, and others, I think, they do care, uh, but unfortunately, they, they've been so harangued by the governor and, and medical authorities, again, the CDC and the ODH, that, that they feel like, like they have to take action, even though it's hurting the kids. It, it, yeah. It's a stunning situation. 
It really is, uh, and 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 I'm glad you you articulated it very well. Thank you for the phone call. I appreciate that, Tim. Uh, let me go to Richfield and uh, Derek on AM fourteen twenty. The answer next. Hi, Derek. You're on the air. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so, uh, there's, good morning. Uh, there's a news story today about uh, the Hudson City Schools and um, some high school students are um, being disciplined. There's a police investigation where they were apparently you know playing a video game online and made some. Of you know, alleged racial and homophobic comments. Um, now, it doesn't seem nothing was, you know, no, nothing was threatening. There's no violence, nothing like that. And, um, and not, something that didn't even happen at school. You know, these students in their private time at home or whatever. So I'm just wondering, now, I mean, how could this, you know, be go to that extent where the police are being, you know, investigating this? I mean, do students have free speech or First Amendment rights? on their own, just doing something online. They're not even at, at the school in the happens. Um, I am blown away by the fact that you say the police are investigating this. It's one thing mm-hmm. if, if, if parents discover that their children are using inappropriate language online or in person. You know, what's the difference if they discover that their children are using inappropriate language? And we're not talking about I'm trusting you when you say the words weren't threatening, as if I'm coming to get you blank, you know, using words that are inappropriate. If, if it's just in conversation, what in in the world would trigger a police or excuse me a school investigation much less a police investigation because the first amendment as you well know and thank you for the phone call derek i'm glad you brought this to my attention um what in the world is the first amendment there for if not to protect offensive speech i've said this a million times if all speech was flowery and glowing and warm and unifying and happy speech, would we need a First Amendment that protects our right to use it? No, because nobody would, have, nobody would be offended by it, and nobody would be uh, concerned about it. The First Amendment is in place to protect speech that people disagree with, that they may find offensive. And unless they're threatening using their speech by threatening to blow up the government or threatening to harm somebody or whatever, which can then trigger an investigation, if it's just language and words that other people don't like and find offensive, the First Amendment does defend that. And a police investigation would be wholly inappropriate and, quite frankly, totalitarian. It is not the police are an agent of the government, and they are not supposed to be used by the government to oppress people and to strip them of their Bill of Rights, the First Amendment, particularly in the Bill of Rights. That's a terrible story. I appreciate you letting me know about it, though. Jim Jordan's going to be coming up after the news.